Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, I discuss WrestleMania. It is coming up this weekend. It's history, it's significance to pro wrestling fans all over the world. Also, we look at the odds of UFC 273. What underdog can possibly win? WrestleMania is this weekend. So, really, what... what eh. Let me put it this way. One of the things I was wondering about, because I work in sports entertainment. I work for the WWE. I work Monday Night Raw as the play-by-play guy. But I have not worked a WrestleMania yet. This is my first one. I only started watching WrestleManias again recently. As you all know, my fandom was psychotic till I was about 12. And then I didn't watch for a long, long period of time. Kelly's birth plus a few years, okay? So a while, okay? And then I got back into it as I got a, an audition with WWE, blah, 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 blah. So I am really honestly curious about this. I really am. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly curious about it. How people feel uh, about WrestleMania what people think about WrestleMania, um, I don't know because it's been so long since I've been part of WWE fandom or pro wrestling fandom that I I don't know how people feel about WrestleMania. I, I, I'm not sure. And so these are legitimate questions I have about the popularity and visibility of WrestleMania these days. I remember WrestleMania 3. I remember 4. I think the last one I saw was, or paid any attention to was probably 6, which was, I think, Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan. So that's a while ago. On the call, Kelly Kell brought up, are there things you can't talk about with WrestleMania? The great thing about pay-per-views, not just WrestleMania, but pay-per-views in general, I don't know anything more than you know. That is not kayfabe. I am not making anything up. I don't know anything. I get a bout sheet just like you get. The one I'm looking at online is the same one I'm going to get, probably, uh, Saturday. It says so-and-so versus so-and-so. So-and-so versus so-and-so. Bye. See you in a few hours. That's kind of the production meeting for a pay-per-view, which is great for me. Because it's as close as I get to a, a, a non-predetermined event. Because I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Yes, it's predetermined, but I don't know what that determination is. I have no idea. Don't know who's doing what. Have no clue. And I know this is hard to believe and hard to understand. For Royal Rumble, when it was, you know, there are these mystery entrants at various stages. You know, you don't know who's coming out. I mean, you know about... If I remember, what, half, maybe a little more than half were, were, were announced, and then there were like 10 that you didn't know about. I didn't know those 10. They did not tell me. So the surprise entrants are a surprise to me too. So, so for Royal Rumble, I had to research. Basically, I did the Women's Royal Rumble. I had to research every female superstar of the last like five or six years because I, I didn't know who was going to come out. So it was like this shotgun approach. Try and cover all my bases. So the cool part of WrestleMania or any major pay-per-view is I don't know anything more than you do. I don't. I've, I've called the stories. I called the matches leading up to this. 
I have watched things develop with these superstars, and that's it. I am dropped in like everybody else going, hey, welcome. Here it is. So I, I want everybody to know and understand that. This is not kayfabe. I'm not making anything up. I don't know anything more than you do. So, Kelly, to answer your question, there's like this firewall where I don't worry about because I don't know. So there's nothing I can say on air that is talking out of school because I don't know more than you do. You know what I'm saying, Kel? I, I just don't. It's just the nature of the pay-per-views. You get me? I feel like that makes it more exciting, though, because as a commentator, all totally. your reactions are super authentic because you yeah. obviously, just like the fans, didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. I have no clue, which is which is fun. So uh, pay-per-views to me or premium live events, because I know they're on Peacock. You don't pay per view like you do in a traditional setting, um, are – super fun because the difficult part about Monday Night Raw or any weekly event is I got to catch you up on what happened and I have to then maybe anticipate or talk about if they announce it what's coming up next week Wrestlemania is the end of all those stories every pay-per-view is the end of all those stories so I explain obviously how they got there to some degree but it's more about the storytelling within the matches themselves that's the interesting part so it's cool. I get to kind of be a fan and call it. I only call half of them because I call the Raw ones, and, and uh, Michael Cole calls the SmackDown ones. So I rotate in and out, and they're a lot of fun. They really are. So that's what I'm looking forward to this weekend. In MMA, you can drop in on a Conor McGregor fight and not have to know what's been going on with the lightweight division or the welterweight division, wherever he's fighting. That's you know of some importance. What happens to the winner and the loser Okay, is nice. It's not necessary. I want to see Conor McGregor fight Khabib. Who Khabib fought last and who Conor fought last. and all that. What they are doing before then is not of any particular importance. What happened the previous card or the previous couple cards doesn't matter to you. Conor wasn't on those. If you're not following the storylines to get where we are for WrestleMania, does WrestleMania make sense? Like a fight would where you don't need any background? If you haven't been watching Raw for the past, I don't know, however long, these stories are brand new to you. Are the matches therefore compelling? I don't know the answers to these questions. Because I'm at Raw every week. I don't know. There are other things that I find interesting. They are competing this weekend with absolutely no one and nothing. No UFC, no PFL, no Bellator, nothing is going on that will grab viewers from that demographic. They are not competing with college football. They're not competing with professional football. Remember, it's Saturday and Sunday. They are not dealing with any of those things. It is a two-day event. Does that make things more difficult? I know people who are fans, who are co-workers of mine, who said, uh, I, I, can't, I just can't watch it Sunday. I'm going to watch Saturday, not Sunday. Maybe I'll catch up on Sunday later. I can watch Sunday, not Saturday. Asking people to spend six hours on a weekend doing anything these days is very, very difficult. But you're not asking them to pay pay-per-view t- prices twice. Because if you have Peacock, you can just stream it. So are we asking different things? Of the audience. We're not saying $70 on Saturday, $70 on Sunday. That's asking any fan for a lot of money. But the idea that you can watch it on Peacock, sure, you might spend a couple days. You might watch some of it. P 
Peacock still gets the eyeball, so it doesn't really matter how much time you spend and on what particular day. You're either a subscriber or you're not. So, Kelly, you've actually gone to a WrestleMania as a fan. Um, how big is WrestleMania as a thing to you yearly? Is it still that big, or was it, I love John Cena, since then I kind of tune in and out? I, I'm really curious about this. I mean, for a while, it was like my absolute favorite thing in the world, pro wrestling. I was going to Monday Night Raw every time they were in New York. I went to WrestleMania 27 in Georgia. Then I tuned out for a while. And then when I started working on Fight Nation again, that's when I kind of got back into it, just so I could make sure I was in the know. But really, I wasn't watching, you know, Monday Night Raw, Friday Night Smackdown every week. I would watch like the Money in the Banks, the Royal Rumbles, the WrestleManias, just the bigger events of the year. But I think, honestly, we were talking about it on the pre-show call. WWE makes it so easy to watch their big events. If you have the Peacock subscription, you don't need to pay to watch the pay-per-view. That's the thing that, that, that people have trouble understanding, in my opinion, is you can already have ESPN Plus and then have to pay another 75 bucks for the pay-per-view. And as Kelly pointed out, that idea that it's costing too much money to keep up with things. WWE makes it very fan friendly. They make very they make it very very easy. If you have Peacock, you can watch the big pay-per-view. I was speaking to someone uh, a couple days ago who said, "Hey, isn't that thing you do this weekend?" And I said, "What? <laughs> what? Anyway, yeah, you know, I was watching Peacock because I like watching Peacock. You know, whatever whatever the shows they watch on Peacock." And a thing came up for WrestleMania. Can I just watch it on Peacock? And I went, yeah. Oh, I'll check you out then. As far as I know, no interest in the WWE, no interest in in professional wrestling. They came across it because they did other things on Peacock. And that was just one more thing to watch. So I have seen that a little bit. The ease of watching it. The idea that it doesn't cost you an extra 50 bucks. In this case, I guess for two nights, 100. I, I don't know. Uh, how that would work, generally speaking, but it's on Peacock. Check it out. Get a subscription, and that's it. You don't have to worry. It'd be like if ESPN Plus came with all the UFC pay-per-views, and it didn't cost you anything extra. It's it's extremely accessible. But uh, KOB, when was the last time you watched a, a a WrestleMania? Do you watch it? Is it a is a thing you watch every year? What's the deal? Ah, uh, here and there, I think. Did I watch last year's? It's hard for me to know. I know I've watched Sasha one, Banks and Bianca Belair was the main event. That really no, but again, with, with these two-day events, I don't always catch everything, so I don't know exactly which ones I saw. Um, I kind of on-off it. So maybe like one year I watch it, one year I don't, one year I watch it, one year I don't. It's usually if I have friends who, who want to watch it, I'll watch. What I'm curious about, they, they, they put so much into, and what I'm they is the WWE, put so much into making sure fans are invested in a story, right? The soap opera nature of sports entertainment, that you get caught up in the story between these two competitors, between these two superstars, that you can't wait to see it culminate in a pay-per-view. In this case, WrestleMania, but yeah, Royal Rumble, whatever. KOB, what's it like as a fan to jump into a pay-per-view when you haven't been watching Raw or SmackDown? Is it necessary you as a fan so i'm curious about as much time as they spend keeping you invested in the show what you're saying is i can hop in without that 
and have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. I'm really curious about that. Yeah, that's tough, man. I, I do feel like if you're yeah. following and you're and you're watching the storyline, it does enhance the experience. Um, yeah. For me, it just might be like certain people. Like let's say, you know, I'm gonna go back away. Let's say like John Cena was doing something cool. I'd be I'd be sure. in watching, and I don't necessarily need the storyline. Like I feel like maybe Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, it's kind of like that. In the sense that, like, oh, I followed Ronda Rousey as an MMA fan. I don't necessarily need to know what's been going on in the storyline to see her wrestle Charlotte Flair, like, and, and daughter of Ric Flair. I can feel like that kind of writes itself. Um, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, I feel like you'd probably need no... They're, they're so good, to really, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. don't really need to, need to follow storylines. So I think there's some matches that you could get into. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is... I just knew of AJ Styles before he ever got to the WWE, so Styles' Edge, for me, is another it's one that I could huge. watch. I don't need... I, I don't need to pay attention to the storyline, period. I'll just watch that one. So I think there's enough I think there's enough matches on this card, especially over two days, that there's interest there. I don't think you necessarily need to be watching every week to, to, to get into it. This one, I, I understand. There are certain ones that are very storyline heavy, right? That following their animosity heading into this one, the story's important. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, I think has been told very, very well. It's it's ramped up well. It's gotten bigger and bigger. We had a little. Uh, were you a Brutus the Barber? Bar, the Brutus the Barber beefcake. I can say it. Were you a fan, KB? I was to a degree. I mean, I kind of. He was more of like a talk show host by the time I was like when I was right. Young. Yeah, like, he wasn't. He had the bar. You know, the barber shop where yes, he had people yes. on. Where one of the most traumatic moments of my life happened when uh, Shawn Michaels. Deep breath. Super- Deep breath, talking about the Shawn Rockers. Michaels. Deep breath. Ended the Rockers by throwing Marty Jan- by super kicking Marty Jan- and then throwing him through the barbershop window. That was a probably the first traumatic moment of my childhood. Really? Wow. You I was had a big a Rockers very fan, man. Life. I was a very big Rockers fan, man. Wrestle- That's your, pro wrestling your from trauma. pro wrestling from when I was maybe two into high school was religion to me. Huge. So. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the yeah. Rockers were my favorite tag team, and I was very, very bitter at Shawn Michaels for many, many years. They were just coming into the WWF at the time when I, I remember them actually in the AW, AWA, NWA, but I remember them pre uh, WWF, the Rockers when, when I was a kid. The Midnight but, Rockers then. The Midnight Rockers, yeah, huh? You remember the Midnight Rockers? You know what's up? And anyway, yeah, like I remember the Dingo Warrior becoming the Ultimate Warrior. I was like, oh, that's the Dingo Warrior. Why is he? You know, like I. That's how old I am. I remember pre-whatever, WWF. But the stories, so Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, they had a haircutting thing last week. First thing I thought is, oh, Bruce Barber, you kick. That's awesome. So Bianca Belair cut Becky Lynch's hair. She's furious. That's great storytelling there. Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios. A lot of storytelling going on on that one. Seth Rollins versus someone we don't know uh, to be announced. And I don't know either, by the way. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. A lot of storytelling going on in that one. Like the Usos versus Rick Boogs and, and Shinsuke Nakamura. There's some storytelling going on there, but the Usos are so good, and Shinsuke Nakamura is so good, and Rick Boogs is so talented that I, you know, once again, it's SmackDown, so I've been watching it, but I haven't been calling it. They're so good that, once again, that's kind of standalone as well. Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, as we said, very standalone. It, it, it's awesome either way. Stone Cold on the KO show. Come on, it's Stone Cold. So there's certain ones where... The um, the buildup is a very much part of the match, and others, as you said, give me those, and it wouldn't matter what they've been doing. So it's a good mix. 
Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. UFC 273 lineup set with two title fights, six bouts on the main card in Jacksonville. All right, KLB, you ready? We're going to play a game because I don't know the odds yet. I have no idea. Can you bring them up for me? Is there a is there a good um is there a good uh, website you like for your odds? KOB's gonna look them up right now. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna guess the odds. And one thing we have noticed, uh, Kelly Cal, how's your internet? Can you hear me? Everything good? You know, thumbs up. You can hear me. Thumbs up. Yes. No. Sort of. Kind of. Okay. Thumbs up. She can hear me. Anyway, she's <laughs> Kelly's relocated to the office, which is kind of funny. Because we usually hear her mom going like, this meatloaf recipe, I don't like. She's usually complaining about something really loud, so we haven't heard that, which is kind of weird. But, Kel, so, have there or have there not been odds in the last three or four UFCs at least, maybe maybe a little bit longer, where we're going, my God, yeah, this person's better. They're not six, seven times better. We've seen some outlandish odds. Best example, of course, is Kai Car France. A three to one dog, four to one, depending on which side you were betting. And I thought he had at least a decent shot of winning that fight, which he did. But we've seen some absurd odds, have we not, Kelly Kell? We have week after week after week. And this, yeah. I guess, and not this coming week, but the following week is no different. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Now, I haven't seen them yet. I have not, I've not looked at them yet. So, KOB, here's what I want you to do I want you to be my anchor. Do you have the odds up? You got them now? Yes. All right, so you tell me the fight. I'll tell you the favorite, and I will guess the odds. You tell me how close I am. All right, let's go with eagerly anticipated rematch for the bantamweight title. Al Jermaine Sterling taking on Peter Yan. In real life, meaning if I were an odds maker, I would not go over 2-1 to one for Piotr Yan. I'd keep it maybe 175-150. Considering how they've been recently, I would say Aljo is a three to one dog. What is it? You're not tremendously off. So Aljo yeah. is plus three fifty. Peter yeah. Yan minus four seventy five. What? Minus four seventy five? So almost four to one on both sides. Meaning, you know, more if you're betting against him, not quite as much if you're betting for him. Three seventy five? Two to one would be my maximum on that one. Now I'm guessing high because they've been so off. Uh, is that's insane? That's insane, Kelly. I know you favor Piotr Jan. Those odds are absurd, are they not? Three seventy-five. No, I, I actually agree with those odds. To be honest, I'm really going, yeah, Piotr Jan all the way. Wow. He was piecing Aljo up till that illegal knee. Right, but he had won the first two rounds. Aljo was actually technically ahead on the scorecards. It wasn't a blowout for four rounds. We were, what, three and a half through? I don't know that that's true. I have to double-check that, Jimmy. I think he, he was ahead the first two rounds. I believe so on the cards. Anyway, check it out and let me know. Uh, KOB, what is our next fight? And what are the absurd odds on this one? I will give it a guess. So you give me the next fight. All right. Next fight up. 
Gilbert Burns and Hamzat Chemaev. Um, here's the deal. I know Kamzat Shemaev is a favorite in this one. I know he's favorite. Um, I'm trying to think how bad it will be. Uh, fair? I mean, not even fair. Would be two to one. Um, but everybody's so bullish on, on Kamzat, three and a half to one, 350. Is that what we're seeing here? All right. So uh, Gilbert Burns is plus 425 to Chemayev's minus 600. Are you kidding? I thought three was high. Oh, this sucks. Why does this suck so bad for me? Is... You might whoa 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 six to one. You're not six to one odds for pro uh uh Kamzat Shumayev minus what four fifty you said four seventy five for Gilbert Burns plus four twenty five for Gilbert Burns minus six hundred for Shumayev four twenty that's that's ridiculous. This is a guy who for a moment for a round was beating Kamar Usman. It was a very competitive fight before he got knocked out. World champion in jiu-jitsu. A lot more experience against elite talent at 170. Kamzat Shumayev has beaten one guy with the winning record in the UFC. And so I would say Kamzat Shumayev probably wins this one. But it's, I can't even, wow. Wow. I'm stunned by that odds. So, the problem is financially, it's worth it even going for the upset and maybe if you lose a couple, it's still worth it. That's what we're looking at here. God, I can't believe these odds. Next. We'll go to our main event of the evening. Alexander Volkanovsky defending his featherweight title against Korean zombie, zombie Chan Sung Jung. Okay, I've been low every single time. Six to one. He's a six to one favorite, which I think is once again absurd. The zombie is plus 500 to Volkanovsky's minus 720. 720! Kelly, Kelly, you're laughing. This is absurd all the way around, is it not? No, I told you on the show call, I was like, we've got some crazy odds for UFC 273. Like, insane. It's not worth betting on any of these favorites. You got to put your house to make any money. Your, and I'm not saying they win necessarily, but it makes more financial sense to bet 30, 40 bucks on every underdog. If one of them pops, you make your money. KOB, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's just, why would you, know you pick funny? any favorite? Do you know what's funny as I look at this card, Jimmy? Um, do you have it up in front of you, like the full lineup? No, I, I, I kept away from it. Here, let me. Here, you, you can bring there up the full go. lineup yeah. just in general. But, uh,. Yes. Outside of those three fights, do you want to know what the largest underdog to to favorite is? Please. Darian Weeks, Ian Gary. Ian Gary is a minus 350 favorite to Darian Weeks, plus 270. Everything else is close to even money or like two to one. But the big fights are absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Why are you even trying? 
Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres. Uh, Mackenzie. Who's favorite in that one? In Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Tisha Torres minus one hundred five to Mackenzie Dern minus one fifteen. Basically coin flip. Basically yeah. even odds. Wow. I. Uh, damn it. I hate cards like this. I, I I'm not saying I, I like they won't be entertaining, but for my picks, picking a favorite just isn't ever financially worth it. Ever. Like you might as well pick all underdogs and hope it works out. Financially speaking. Or so either way, um it's crazy. I'm not making excuses a week out. Thank you, Kelly. I'm gonna read the chat right now. From Kelly Murphy to everyone. I'm going to read this. The only dog I have any confidence in is Gilbert. And even that, I don't know. This is a new low, dot, dot, dot. You're prepping an excuse over a week out. This is like not a, it's like an unsafe working environment. It's like a hostile working environment I got to deal with. Really? KOB, like you can save these, right? And send them to HR, these chats, right? You can't. You, I, can I mean, save I could. Them, right? I'm not going to. I can screenshot this right now and send it to HR. It could. I'm being harassed. I'm by not gonna. Kelly I'm not Murphy. saying Kelly's. It doesn't sound like Kelly's wrong. It doesn't sound like you're a little bit prepping the excuse. You know, I'm not it making excuses. It just sucks. Because I'm not making excuses, but my knee was hurt. You know, in that last camp. You know, and uh, I had a fever, and uh, you know, my goldfish died, and you know, I was really in a place. But Javon, uh, no, you no excuses. You no excuses. Javon, you listen to this hate. I thought it was just Kelly at one point, and then KOP has become like the king of hate. Like. It's like she's the queen, and now he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm liking this hate thing. I like piling it on Jimmy. Listen, so my job is just to sit here and, and call it how I see it, and it does feel like a little bit of a, oh, man, I don't want to pick these cars. They're really hard. Uh, Setting the right. table. First, the table. I'll give you the odds again. Uh, I'll give you the fight. KOB, give me the odds because you have them in front of you. Gilbert Burns, Kamzat Shemaev. So for Gilbert Burns, what are the odds? Plus what? Plus 430? Gilbert Burns is plus 425 to Kamzat Shemaev, minus 600. All right. So plus 425 for Gilbert Burns because we're betting on the underdog. Uh, Aljo is what? Minus? I'm sorry. Plus what? Aljo is plus 350 to Peter Yans, minus 475. All right. So plus 350. Make 350 off that one. Volkanovsky, Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. Korean zombie is plus what? Good old zombie is plus 500, and the great is minus 720. All right. I give you $100. Which uh, underdog are you betting on? The reason, Kelly Kell, my Smith Sportsbook is going to be challenging this time around is I could easily take the, uh, the favorites in all of these. I would like my people to make some money for a good underdog bet. That is not easy to do because they are underdogs, but they're underdogs to a ridiculous degree that is absurd. So it's hard not to go against the numbers. I pick a bunch of underdogs, and the money you'll put on, you'll definitely make money if you get one single upset. Uh, so it's just going to be tricky. And that, that, oh my God, the odds makers are just. Making it difficult on us. On us, meaning me. So that's what I'm saying, Kel, queen of hate, is that it's hard. You know, it's a difficult thing to pick because I'm embarrassed it's hard for to you. make money on this. I'm embarrassed for you with the, the, the display you just put on in the last oh, few minutes. Wow. We should call it the Murphy Sports Book. 
Oh, I'm not so making are any you excuses. Be, are you gonna be picking? I'm always are confident you, in my picks. Are you gonna be picking? Are you gonna be good. picking? Are you gonna be perhaps, picking? Perhaps I will. Oh, cool. That'd be great. Like, be like great. Tom Brady, Kelly Murphy's gonna come out of retirement. <laughs> for yeah, one she's gonna last, come for one more. For Looking one last grave dance over ring. Jimmy Smith. All right. Once I come back, you're gonna Bruce Arians it. High tail out of here. Out of here. Not even dealing with Kelly Kell. Right? Not doing it. Bye. Done. Makes it tough. But, all right. So, which dog has the best chance? And do you think any of these are accurate? Uh, the only one that you that you could say is maybe accurate would be Piotr Jan Aljo. That's a pretty big spread obviously but Piotr Jan was piecing Aljo up the tide had turned he was winning the fight it was it looked like he, it looked like he had it in the bag before he threw that illegal knee and gave it away that's number one number two he's been out a long time that's another factor number three a serious neck injury those are brutal. They are difficult to deal with. They do not go away easily, even though he's like, oh, I'm all right. I had surgery. I've had, I don't know how many doctors tell me, no matter what you do, do not get neck surgery if you can possibly avoid it. So it's not as though it's fixed and he's okay. That's not necessarily the case here. There's that. Uh, there is also the fact that Piotr Jan has looked very good since that fight. The illegal knee of doom that doomed him. And I picked Aljamain Sterling in the last fight, and I was feeling pretty bad about that until the knee suddenly vindicated me. But he defeated Corey Sandhagen in a very tough fight, but he won the interim uh, UFC Bantamweight Championship over a very tough Corey Sandhagen and looked very good in that fight. All of those things together make me think, okay, maybe those odds are fair. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.